0: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply.
1: This is the Ken Carmen Show. And we are coming to you live from the Quicken Loans Arena. Actually, down the street from the Quicken Loans Arena. From the Quicken Loans Studios, National Mortgage Lender, Quicken Loans. Apply simply, understand fully, mortgage confidently. Stop laughing, Tom. It's the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855 212 cbs 855-212-4227. We are. We're down the street from the Quicken Loans Arena here. So it wasn't like I was lying here. Divisional games starting today. 11 o'clock. You know, I'll make picks. And I guess I'll make picks now because what the hell. I just don't think you really care. Like radio hosts make picks all the time, and I just it, it I I don't know I I've never been called out like there's one guy who's always been called out for making bad picks, or in in inconsistent picks or whatever. I've never been called out, and I don't think people care. But either way, Indianapolis at Kansas City today. And for what that game is, right now, Patrick Mahomes is trying to do a couple of things. One, he's trying to win his first playoff game. The second part of it is that he's trying to exercise demons. This goes back to Marty Schottenheimer. This goes back to that era in Kansas City in the postseason with playoff struggles again. You're a better football team overall. You really are. But you might not have the brighter future. Andrew Luck wins today. This is an Indianapolis Colts team that now wins two games in the postseason, goes to an AFC championship, and then has a ton of cap space that people don't even realize. And when we look across the AFC and we see the good quarterbacking and at least the future of the AFC, not talking about Brady and Rivers and Roethlisberger and a couple of other guys, when you look at the young ones, with Mahomes, with Watson, I think Darnold will be on his way. I think Mayfield will be on his way. We forget about Andrew Luck in these conversations. And the entire season for Andrew Luck, yeah, you start off one and five, you're probably going to come in under the radar. And you spent last year on the shelf. You come in one and five, you come in off an injury. I think people discount you. And I think they discount the Indianapolis Colts right now. Defense is getting better. Offensive line has gotten so much better, and part of that's the play of Andrew Luck, but the offensive line has gotten so much better. You know, People talk about Quentin Nelson. You have guys on that offensive line who have switched positions and have been that good. That's how good that offensive line is in Indianapolis. They win today. You're talking about the anointment of greatness with Andrew Luck on his way again. We forgot about him. And if Kansas City loses today, another home game, another loss, another great regular season that goes by the wayside, you're talking about something that turns into a time-honored tradition that turns into something that you're battling with ghosts. It's hard enough to take on the premier teams in the NFL. It'll be hard enough to beat Indianapolis today for Kansas City. It's hard enough to win 12 games in the regular season. But when you're playing memories, when you're playing ghosts, when you're playing just logical thinking by a lot of people, hey, why are you going to do it today? That's something that's extra, and that builds in over time. And Kansas City fans who have not won a championship in so long and have come close many, many times over from the 90s to just over the last couple of years to come that close, there's a long memory there because you remember teams fondly of teams that didn't get to the the final end-all, be-all championship. So you remember those losses and you remember them and you tell them like ghost tales every single day. So there's a ton on the line later on at four for Kansas City and for Indianapolis, I think you're playing with house money. I think they come in loose. I think they come in having fun. This has been a season where nobody picked you halfway through the year to do anything. People were talking about firing Frank Reich already halfway through the season and for what they've done already through this year has been something of a testament to Andrew Luck, to Frank Reich, to that organization for what they've done already in one year with Chris Ballard and, and righting the wrongs of what happened with Ryan Grigson and when Jim Ursae was taking all that power. Eight five five two one two four cbs Dallas at the Rams today. For Sean McVay, I, I've heard a lot. Well, I love Sean McVay as I well, won a playoff game. We'll still be a second playoff game. But you can tell that storyline already starting to play out. For Dallas, it's been a better season. But you're Dallas, you play at a different level. Greatness is expected. It hasn't come in quite a long time. If you lose this game, everything gets heaped back on you. Losers, Garrett sucks, Dak Prescott overrated, Zeke Elliott overrated, everybody hates Big D. It'll all happen again. You play it in a weak division, it'll all happen again. And I know Philly's there later on tomorrow. We'll get to that here in a second. So that's that's what's at stake for Dallas. When you get to tomorrow's games... I I want to root for Phillip Rivers so badly. I love Phillip Rivers. I love Bolo Ties. I love that he has nine kids. I love everything about the guy. I love that he is the NFL's answer to Jim Bob Duggar. I love the guy. I've been a Phillip Rivers fan for so long. You're in New England. While I don't think, and I said before, and part of me wants it to happen so I end up being right, because we love being right. Well, I don't know if New England's going to Super Bowl 53. And I said earlier this season, they're not. An 11-5 and team, first round by, at home, against the Chargers, who have not played overwhelmingly great over the last month of the season. You should have Melvin Gordon back. But you go through 15 years of history with Phillip Rivers, we start to look back at the old games. We look back to the old AFC divisional games where you had the league going into the fourth quarter and... The great Marty Schottenheimer, for whatever reason, let his emotions get in the way of pure and simple football and got in the way of possibly them going to a Super Bowl, going to an AFC championship, going to a Super Bowl, and winning a Super Bowl with Philip and LaDainian. That's how tough those memories get brought up. And I want to, because Phillip Rivers has been a prolific quarterback, and we don't recognize it. I want to put him over, and I want to say that they get it. I just don't think that they do. Because while my heart wants Phillip Rivers, my head has to go with New England. Philly at New Orleans, I'm waiting for the horseshoe to get pulled, and and I, I can't really say it the way I want to say it. I am waiting for the horseshoe to get pulled out of certain places in Nick Foles. And it's becoming a thought where I hope that New Orleans gets it done tomorrow. Drew Brees is a prolific, legendary quarterback. Nick Foles for his entire career, while last year was amazing in a Cinderella-type run, Nick Foles has not been. When you go and you do everything you can to get a franchise quarterback and trade off, it assaults the senses that it's not working out this way. And it might be something that I have to accept. The trade talk for Carson Wentz, being afraid that Carson Wentz is hurt, any of that other stuff that comes to your mind. When I look at Nick Foles, it's still journeyman. It's still a guy who, who doesn't, Belong with this group of quarterbacks, and by the end of this playoff run, it might be something that I have to accept. One of the other bigger stories that's come out over the last decade—that's the playoffs. I—I've I, been waiting to get to this. I've really been waiting to get to this for two weeks. I was sick last week. I wanted to lead off last week's show with it, and just it happens to be thanks to the Rooney family, it's right at the front of the news again. What to do with Antonio Brown? I mean, I have been waiting patiently through sickness, through time to get to this. Because when I see Antonio Brown, I absolutely see someone who's petty and childish and selfish. I want to ask you a question, though. When you look across the NFL, can you name me 10 wide receivers Of any reputation, don't give me some goofball you saw on Hard Knocks that you happen to love. That doesn't count. Give me somebody who's a starting level wide receiver, one of the top three. Give me ten that you can remember off the top of your head over the last 20 years that aren't selfish, that aren't petty, and that aren't childish. Please, I can name you, what, Larry Fitzgerald? Chris Carter at the end of his career? Certainly not at the beginning of his career. Randy Moss is a no. Who else? Can I name any one of these guys? It got a little bit ugly with Wes Welker in New England. I know. You all start giving me the 5'10 white guys here in a second. Honestly, you know it started to get a little bit ugly there. Julian Edelman? Whatever. And honestly, can you give me that amount? Because when I see Antonio Brown, hey... I'm not comfortable with Antonio Brown and some of the shenanigans that he pulled either. But don't tell me they're any bit crazier than anything we've ever heard over the last 20 years with any one of these top-end wide receivers. If you're a top-end, MVP-caliber wide receiver in the NFL, I just assume you act this way. And all throughout these last couple of weeks, Antonio Brown, oh my God, I can't believe everything's on the line for the Pittsburgh Steelers. How dare... Antonio Brown act this way. How dare him be a part of an organization like the Steelers and act as like any other NFL top-end wide receiver would ever act. Leave that with Odell Beckham, where Antonio Brown didn't go to work but Odell Beckham did. Okay, well we'll leave that leave that to the other wide receivers who still played in games that they were needed. Okay, well we'll we'll leave that to some of the No, you you want to sit there and you want to bag on Antonio Brown, that's fine. He's an easy target. And when you call up and you say that Antonio Brown's wrong and he's petty and he's selfish and he's childish, the big three that we talk about all the last two weeks with Antonio Brown, and you have all the the different sources about how bad of a guy Antonio Brown really is and how nefarious the people around him are and how they've dug their hooks into him and now they're telling him bad advice, horrible advice and he'll be cast off to football Siberias across the country and you'll get your retribution back from him. You'll get it back from him because how dare he get in the way of the Pittsburgh Steelers with dynastic talent. There's a lot of it I'll agree with you with. Absolutely. But I think you need to hold your horses. I think you need to cool your jets on a lot of what's being said about Antonio Brown. Ryan Clark's on ESPN. Bad teammate, bad guy. Didn't really get along with him. He doesn't care about the win. All he cares about is 19 catches and 19 targets and 200 yards and a couple of touchdowns. By the way, those are usually in winning efforts, just to point that out. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. You notice what we're not talking about here? not talking about Ben Roethlisberger. We're not talking about Mike Tomlin. We're not talking about either one of those guys. I, I, I know I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but I think I know a ruse when I see a ruse. I think I know when I'm getting the wool pulled over my eyes. I think. Yeah, I think I smell it too. Yeah. Here comes that big old scapegoat coming in, and it's a guy like Antonio Brown because it's the perfect patsy. Last year was a disappointing year. Things got nasty. Things got ugly. We were talking about players and being selfish with the Pittsburgh Steelers over the entire 2018 campaign. And then we remembered our long memories of what happened in 16 and 17 and even 15. And back then, we remembered all that stuff, didn't we? And Antonio Brown got brought up. And Antonio Brown over that time has been a scapegoat. Because I go back to what happened, and I think, and Tom, you might have to check, when did Seth Wickersham's expose of the New England Patriots come out? Do you remember? Was it was it in 2019? I think it was winter of 2019, wasn't it? I'm pretty sure it was 18 January. Oh, 2018. January of 2018, I so. I'll right? Confirm right now, but I'm pretty positive. okay. Uh, I, I'm, okay, so this last winter, I'm I'm right about that. Correct? Okay. I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay, let's make sure about that just to get our timelines right because I'm sure I'll bring it up again later. And Seth Wickersham. Yeah, sorry, January 4th, 2018. Thank you. Excellent. Wonderful as always, Deben. So Seth Weckersham in that expose. Hey, you better watch out for Alex Guerrero. This is getting this is getting like Roger Clemens' personal trainer here. This is getting weird all going to have a bag of Tom Brady skin somewhere in a refrigerator somewhere in there. Oh my God. Rob Gronkowski doesn't want to hang around with Bill Belichick. Players don't want to hang around with Bill Belichick. It's becoming a mutiny. Oh my God. The Patriot Way. What's the Patriot Way anymore? It seems it's coming apart at the seams. Robert Kraft doesn't like Tom. Tom doesn't like Robert Kraft, which is garbage. Robert Kraft doesn't like Bill. Bill doesn't like Tom. a great way trifecta that goes around with Jimmy Garoppolo thrown in the mix. And we'll go over the corpse of the Jimmy Garoppolo trade in this massive expose that we spent a week talking about well would you take tom or would you take bill if they had to have a divorce is this the last year of tom brady and even throughout last summer hey we don't know if tom brady's gonna play he hasn't making it an official yet that he's gonna play in 2019 and we spent so much time going over the new england patriots and they still went 11 and 5 and had a first round bye if that's coming out against the Patriots, where we look at that and it seems that there's a lot of smoke, but very little, and there could be a smidgen of fire, there could be a couple of flames here and there, but nothing really substantial where it's a great big tire fire, dumpster fire, and you got to call in the fire department to blow the thing out. Nothing like that. If it was like that, if it seemed to be that bad to the New England Patriots, And they're 11-5 and and had a first-round bye, and they will be playing tomorrow against the Chargers in another divisional round game at home at Gillette Stadium. What in the hell is the Steelers' excuse? A wide receiver is the Steelers' excuse? For that season to fall apart with the Browns who were coming off an 0-16 season, with the Ravens where people were talking about firing John Harbaugh not halfway through the year, up into the playoff game that the the Ravens ended up getting, and with the Bengals that are skirting out with injuries and cheapness and now changing out a head coach, you're telling me that Antonio Brown, a Diva-wide receiver, as Diva-wide receivers are all across the league, You let a diva wide receiver bring your franchise down? That's not as much on Antonio Brown. Forget the scapegoat. Forget the smoke and mirror. Forget the curtains. That's not on Antonio Brown, Haas. That's on number seven, and that's on Mike Tomlin. That's who that's on. Tom Brady's never played with a diva. Remember, Richard Seymour showed up late and gave back talk to Bill Belichick. They sent him to football Siberia. He ended up on a milk cart and he's going to be a Hall of Famer coming up. But you made an excuse of a terrible season based on Antonio Brown. And I'm supposed to believe that, please. That's embarrassing. You're embarrassing yourself. And it's embarrassing to us in the public, and it's embarrassing to us as a populace in the media that we're believing this stuff. You didn't even have him dressed. You didn't even have him on the field. You still beat Cincinnati in Week 17. Well, maybe because we were motivated to make the playoffs. And what are you doing, Number Seven? What are you doing, Mike Tomlin? Wide receivers aren't supposed to be leaders. We should know this over the last twenty twenty five years. Again, I asked you at the beginning of this entire diatribe, give me five guys over the last 20 years, 10 guys over the last 20 years if you can, who are true leaders on a football team. Jerry Rice, okay, maybe over time, and there was a couple of even ugly parts there that we don't want to remember about, but I'll give you Jerry Rice. Larry Fitzgerald, there's two you can name off the top of your head. I'm sure we'll start naming five nine white guys too, but top end, Wide receivers in the NFL, guys who will argue for the Hall of Fame, give me any one of those guys who weren't divas. You can't because that's the position. It's naturally the position. You show me a wide receiver that leads his team in yardage, and I'm going to show you a diva that's prone to selfishness, that is prone to childishness. And if you let that guy... While he's MVP caliber talent, you let that guy bring your football team down, that's not an indictment on Antonio Brown. No, no. That's an indictment on Ben Roethlisberger, Mike Tomlin, and the power structure that you have with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Because if I look around the NFL and you look at the top quarterbacks, do you think that Drew Brees and Sean Payton are that to happen? Or Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Do you think for a second they would allow any of that to happen? No. And for two weeks, I've had to sit here and listen to the biggest line of BS I could possibly hear as we get set for playoff games. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it.
1: This is the Ken Carmen Show. 855 212 4CBS. That is the toll free line. It's brought to you by Geico. Uh, In case you haven't heard, there's great news. You could save a ton of money on your insurance when you switch to Geico. Go to geico.com, and in 15 minutes... You could save 15% or more on car insurance. It's a wonderful system they have there. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Send the tweets at Ken Carmen C-A-R-M-A. Got a lot of things coming up today. we have Gary Myers, great author, New York Daily News, uh, NFL writer. We'll talk to him about his new book also, the NFL playoffs this weekend. Coming up at 1 p.m. Eastern, Dan Fouts, Hall of Famer, analyst, even play-by-play guy at times. Dan Fouts will join us. We'll talk playoffs with him. We'll talk quarterbacks with him, everything else. I, I'm getting a bunch of people give me laundry lists of guys, and it's not even a laundry list. Like, I am mean, get well, Hopkins, Oh, okay, so far Hopkins is good. Okay, well, fine, throw Hopkins in. A.J. Green, I will give your credit to A.J. Green. I said 10. Larry Fitzgerald, that's three. And by the way, that's out of thousands, hundreds. I'll give you hundreds over the last 20 years. When you think wide receiver in the NFL, it's just become the guys who stick out are a bigger issue than all the other guys. It's become natural, commonplace stuff. If you're a leading wide receiver on your football team, whether you're a last-place team or a first-place team, you have a tendency to become a Diva wide receiver. And a lot of that's natural. You're out there, you're running routes, expending energy, the, wide, the quarterback, whether he sees you, whether he doesn't see you, you always think you're open. You have to play with supreme confidence. It's a tough position to play. Only naturally, it's going to happen. I, I don't blame Antonio Brown for, for a lot of this. Yeah, he's selfish. Yeah, he is really yeah childish. Mm-hmm. All that stuff. Petty? Oh, yeah. Definitely petty. But if, if, if you're really using him as the reason that you didn't get to the postseason, I, I think that's silly. That's absolutely silly. Quarterbacks of football teams, head coaches of football teams, general managers of them. You're way ahead of power. And when you look at any one of these guys, and when we're bringing up Fitzgerald and Hopkins and A.J. Green and a couple of other wide receivers, I brought up Jerry Rice. Give me one of these guys where people rally around, where they get in the middle of the huddle pregame and they're the ones that get guys inspired. Very few. Again, Rice, Fitzgerald. It gets even lower. Not just about being quiet. Not just about even being humble. Being a leader of a football team. I don't expect a wide receiver to be a leader of a football team. I expect a wide receiver to be petulant at times, but still very talented. And be able to catch the ball when a good, when a good quarterback is thrown to him. That's what I expect out of a wide receiver. Out of a quarterback, I expect leadership. Out of a quarterback, I expect them to be able to take the keys of a franchise and act as a CEO. Because there's a lot of things to an NFL franchise. There's business, there's tickets, there's advertising. There are so many different facets. There's multimedia that you have to take care of that business. There's guys who are managers, women who are managers in in charge of these certain departments there. There are vice presidents, senior vice presidents who are in charge of these departments. If you're Ben Roethlisberger and you're Mike Tomlin, you are senior vice presidents of your department. You oversee that department. And if you see somebody, if you think that they're really getting in the way of something, it's up to you to change that. It's not up to him to change that. That's the way wide receivers have acted for 20, 30 years. So I'm not saying Antonio Brown is completely blameless. I just have come to expect that from wide receivers. And to use him as some sort of a scapegoat for why the Steelers aren't in the postseason and why we're even talking about him today after the Roonies talked about him a couple of days ago while the Chiefs and the Colts are getting ready to to kick off later today and Dallas and the Rams are getting ready to kick off later on today. And New England, where I guess hell was coming with Seth Wickersham last year, they still went to 11-5 and and got a first-round bye. They're playing tomorrow against the Chargers, who are back in the postseason again. And Philly and New Orleans... We're over here talking about them. And Antonio Brown's the reason? No, I'm not gonna believe that. Eight five five two one two four CBS. Eight five five two one two four two two seven. Coming up next, I got a couple of thoughts about some of these coaching hires. And Baker Mayfield this week was given Peyton Manning level power.
0: This is the Ken Carmen Show.
1: Eight five five two one two four CBS. Divisional games coming up today and tomorrow. AFC NFC. Do we have Pedro in? Yes. The wonderful Peter Schwartz. Hello, how are
0: you, sir? Good morning.
1: Good. I wanted to get. I I thought at ten forty. I want to get into these coaching hires, and then I heard before the show that you were really <laughs> upset with Adam Gase. Yeah, you know. So go right on ahead, Peter. If you got something to get off your chest, so, get it
0: off, boy. Well, I've calmed down a little bit. You know, I. You know, I I probably should have like held my feelings in for 24 hours before I let him loose, especially in front of an eight-year-old. Um, so my wife and my older son were, were out, and I was home with my younger son, and I'm, and I'm on the phone, uh, you know, checking Twitter and everything like that, and I'm having, like, a, a Facebook conversation with a friend of mine, yeah. and then all of a sudden I see the news that the Jets are going to hire Adam Gase, and, and I, I lost my head for a second. My, you know, Jared is sitting, <laughs> uh, my eight-year-old, he's sitting on the couch in the den watching something, and I yell out, what the... You
1: you cussed? I did. You don't cuss. I cuss. It's nothing normal, but it's no, nothing out I'm of the normal, but throw, you don't.
0: I am known to throw an expletive around oh, once in a while. Oh, I once, see.
1: Peter, you are, you've are. No, always been tight-lipped something around me. Really,
0: I'm like a gentle giant, as you know. You've seen me. I'm a gentle yeah, giant, a but before, when yeah. I get perturbed about something, um, like when I was driving through Burger King the other day, and the person didn't understand my order, and I had to give it six times, and I was getting a little perturbed.
1: Well, you're gonna uh, have that,
0: yeah. So, um, but I was a little annoyed uh, with the news, and I, 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 I yelled the expletive. And Jared looks over at me and says, "You know, Dad, what what's the matter?" And I'm like, "The Jets have a new coach." And he says, "Who is it?" I said, "Adam Gase." He's like, "Who's that?" I'm like, "The Dolphins garbage."
1: Oh, come on.
0: And so I, 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 I call up a friend of mine and I'm oh, talking garbage. I, I, I'm talking to a friend of mine on the phone. He is as upset as I am. and we get into this heated, I was heated. We weren't disagreeing with each other, but this real passionate, you know real emotional conversation about this. and and uh, in the middle of, in the middle of this conversation, my wife and my older son walk into the house. And she hears me screaming at my friend Larry on the phone, and and like, what's going on? You got you know, so
1: upset, you had to call Larry. I had to
0: call my. I was Larry. like, I was like, uh, my because because you know we're like you know <laughs> Jets compadres, and, and, and so my wife walks in the house and it's like, what are you get going? What's wrong? Jared, the informer in the house, gets up off the couch, runs to my wife, and says, Mom. Dad's really ticked off. The Jets hired some crap guy as their head coach. Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! And I was, I was, I was, I was not happy well, because I really wanted Mike McCarthy.
1: So you got wait a minute. You got cussing mad because they didn't get Mike McCarthy and they got Adam Gase I, I instead. Yeah. You can make the same argument for both guys, the wrong arguments, but they're well, still the yeah, same but, argument. I,
0: you know, I'm. I'm you know, see, I was. I have my, my fan hat on right now. I don't have my reporter hat on. Well I, still. I I thought with my fan head and I was not happy because I Well if I you didn't, think it's a bad I,
1: hire, you think it's a bad hire. I that think, has nothing to do I with being the, a fan or not being right. a fan. Right.
0: Well, I, I did not like the hire to begin with.
1: Yeah.
0: And um in the in the you know, in the following twenty four hours after my outburst, you know, I, I thought about it a little bit and I just you know, it just it dawns on me like they could have brought Vince Lombardi back from the dead. And no matter what decision the Jets make, it's always the wrong one. Uh So they could have brought Mike McCarthy in. They could have brought a younger Bill Parcells back. They could have brought Bill Walsh in. You name the Hall of Fame coach. They could have brought him in. And because it's the Jets, they would have wound up making the wrong move. Now, I did get very excited when I heard the Greg Williams news. Well... Because okay. I think I think that defense is much too talented for what they showed last year, and he's exactly the guy to kick them in the ass.
1: Well, some people got a little bit upset because the Browns' defense didn't finish well. But I think his son was calling some plays. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, a lot of the plays over the final part of the season. So, yeah. and and he's really inexperienced at it. So there's there's going to be some times where you're playing a guessing game and you miss. And uh-huh. there was a couple of things that were really like from father from son but I think he got a little bit too aggressive. I, I, I think that it's I, – I don't mind Adam Gase. I really don't. I don't think he was going to be hired in Cleveland because especially with the Peyton Manning yeah. connection, Jimmy Haslam is so nervous. Just, and this is just because I happen to be in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy Haslam so nervous about any negative connotation with any coaching hire whatsoever that the second that report came out that Peyton Manning was talking to Jimmy Haslam about the possibility of hiring Adam Gase, I knew it was going to happen. Because <laughs> he, he he is he is that cognizant of the negative perception of him being a part of a coaching hire that he does not want to be around it whatsoever. Yeah. He doesn't want his hands on it, and he knows that Adam Gase and you saw the Jets' reaction. I think Browns fans probably would have the same reaction to Adam Gase that Jets fans had that it would have been a negative reaction. That it's yeah. it was a failure in Miami and it was too soon. But I look at Adam Gase with a different type of look. He was just under five hundred. It seems that it's the end of Ryan Tannehill. He got some good games out of Ryan Tannehill. He did. Uh he had Matt Moore. He had Jay Cutler. I, I think it's the same for Adam Gase like any guy. If you have a good quarterback, and, and I thought with save a one game there at the beginning of December, I think. I think Sam Darnold finished the season well. I think yes. he's got a bright future. I think he'll be able to work well with Sam Darnold. I think it's a complete overreaction from Jets fans. If you give him a guy, and we might find out, but if you give him a guy who has talent, and I think that the guy has talent, I think, I think he'll tremendous. be okay.
0: I think he's tremendous. I think he'll be okay. And, and you know, and again, again, I, 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 I live in two different worlds. I live in my world of fandom, and I live in this world here, you know, being a, a sports reporter. And and once once I calm down and let my, like, normal mental capacity, you know, take over a little bit. Yeah. You do realize three years ago, four years ago, he was the hot assistant coaching candidate.
1: Yes.
0: And when the jets went into this off season, my first inclination before Mike McCarthy was that let's, let's find the next, you know, Sean McVay, let's find the next, next Matt Nagy here somewhere. Mm. But it didn't sound like any of those guys were out there. Maybe Eric, the enemy, you know, after the Chiefs season is done. Um, but to me, the safe the safe choice was was Mike McCarthy, a proven head coach, worked with a good quarterback, won a Super Bowl, nine playoff appearances in twelve years, whatever it was.
1: Just to, amazing the perception of certain people. Go to, ahead. To, I, I, to, to go me, ahead. to
0: me, to me, it made the most sense. Um, but a- after I kind of thought about it a little bit, I'm like, well, you know, it, 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 it maybe it's not the worst thing in the world. But it, but it comes down to the Jets management. They yeah. just don't know what they're doing. Like they, 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 they're not, they're not connected in NFL circles. You've got, you've got them. They wanna, they wanna be responsible for helping pick the coaching staff, which is why I guess McCarthy and Rule didn't want it because they didn't have the right to hire their own staff. They just, I, I just don't think they get it. And Mike McAgnew wasn't gonna pick, you know, uh, a, um, a guy like McCarthy because. McCarthy is one of those guys that if he comes in and has success, well, he could all of a sudden play the power play because the way the Jets operate, the head coach and the general manager both report to the owner. Yes, so you don't have this, you know, sequence of, you know, authority. You have two guys going to the owner. It's like two department chairs in a in a, in a company.
1: Well, the problem with that division, I, I think the Pagulas are trying to do it the right way. It, it's just yeah, it. It, it'll depend on it will depend on Josh Allen and whether or not Josh Allen's actually good. You got a good quarterback, you can cover up a lot of things. Yeah. The Dolphins w- w- who's going to be their head coach now?
0: Uh, they are looking at Patriots linebacker's coach Brian Flores.
1: Well who what was I hearing yesterday was it going to be someone different now cuz I've heard three different names. It was Flores, it was Richard, yeah. and then there was another went, name was that was Richard
0: and then late last night the news of Flores broke, but they obviously they can't officially negotiate with him until after the Patriots are, are done. Okay. It could be tomorrow. So it's
1: still it's still as technically it's still Flores, right? Yeah, that's what that's what the
0: latest okay.
1: s- story is. Because I'm hearing a different t- I'm hearing a million different things. It's like, okay, just pick a guy and go, okay? So he
0: can go on a plane to Miami tomorrow after the Patriots lose to the Chargers.
1: Okay. Oh, you think the Patriots are gonna lose to oh, the Chargers? Yes,
0: absolutely.
1: Oh well, I'm I'm hoping. I just I can't pick against him, that's all.
0: No, I I'm I'm dealing in like again, I'm dealing in two different worlds. No, but I do I do think the Chargers are going, to, are going to win the game. I do. I do.
1: All right. Thank you very much. I think much. so. Because <laughs> well, now cause I'm just trying to think off the top of my Okay. Peter, Puffer. I love you. All righty. I have a to try and keep Peter the faith. You know, just relax, okay? <laughs> and I, I, I'm glad you brought up. I love that you brought that up. The great Peter Schwartz joining us on the show, and that's what I love about Peter, is that there is a – because with McCarthy – A lot of people didn't want McCarthy because of the whole Aaron Rodgers thing. Hey, you know what? If the floor goes up there and they don't get the job done, I got to put more on Aaron Rodgers than I ever put on McCarthy. Yeah, there's times where relationships start to fade. But Peter said one thing that started that didn't throw me off, but was just the perfect example of how people are thinking right now. Because I brought this up before and I want to bring it up again. If you're looking at trends... Just remember, any one of these guys who gets hired, Vic Fangio, I like Vic Fangio. You don't get a co- you don't get a quarterback for this guy. He's going to be out on his ass in a few years. And by the way, John Elway, you look over what he's done over the last few years, save for Peyton Manning deciding to go to the Denver Broncos by the way, save for the, for for Peyton Manning's decision to go to Denver. He's done nothing that no regular Broncos fan could do. And I mean that sincerely. If you're in Denver, Colorado listening to this, You could do, uh, judging by the last six years, you could do as good a job as John Elway, and I mean that sincerely, and I'll bring out any evidence to back it up. I like Vic Fangio. I worry about that situation. I like Freddie Kitchens. I'll always worry about a quarterback situation with the Browns. I think Adam Gase is a pretty good hire for a good young quarterback. I worry because of the Jets. I worry because of Sam Darnold, not necessarily being out of the woods yet. There's a lot of things to worry. But if you look over the last few years... It shows that with Kingsbury, with the Jets, with the Dolphins, with certainly Bruce Arians is going to be 67 years old, with the Buccaneers, with the Broncos, with the Browns, and then with the Bengals, eventually, one of these guys, only one, will be still employed in three years. And most of this is based on trendiness. Youth exuberance, and we just think we're going to take a guy and automatically it pans out to turn into somebody else. I brought this up a couple of weeks ago. Go back to 2015. Dan Quinn is still a head coach with the Atlanta Falcons. I'm looking at this class. There's good defense being played. Everybody wanted a defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn is the defensive coordinator of who at the time? The Seattle Seahawks. He gets hired by the the Atlanta Falcons. Look at this list with Dan Quinn. Rex Ryan, John Fox, Gary Kubiak, Todd Bowles, Jack Del Rio, Jim Tom Sula. One guy was an offensive guy. Gary Kubiak retired, the rest are fired. One guy is left. Dan Quinn. 2016, Doug Peterson is still employed with the Philadelphia Eagles, and people did not like that hire. Offensive guy, though. Everybody else. Hugh Jackson, Adam Gase, Ben McAdoo, Dirk Cutter. Chip Kelly, Mike Malarkey, one an interim guy that got left over. Everybody else, either offensive head coaches previously or offensive coordinators previously, they're all fired. One guy still has a job from 2015. 2017, Vance Joseph has already canned. Doug Marone, certainly sitting on a hot seat. Anthony Lynn, doing a pretty good job. Sean McVay, obviously doing a pretty good job, and he's the one that I star right there. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McDermott. Out of that... You have a young guy that's hired with Sean McVay where I will put him at the top of the list and coming up in a couple of years where all these guys will probably be out and canned. And Sean McDermott probably will get canned, and he's done, I think, a terrific job as a head coach of the, of, of the Buffalo Bills. But Sean McVay gets hired at 30 years old. Now who are the top candidates this year? Chris Richard, 39 years old. Zach Taylor, 32 years old, will more than likely get the job in Cincinnati. Lincoln Riley was a top candidate. Matt Campbell was a top candidate. Kevin Stefanski was a top candidate. Guys who are in their 30s. So when you say, I want the next Sean McVay, you better be careful about saying you want the next Sean McVay. Sean McVay is a dangerous game to play. You look at what this guy has done, and he's only been around for a year, and some people say the drawback is he hasn't won a playoff game yet. Well, you know what? If they lose coming up later, then I think you could use that against him because it's been two years. I can't say he hasn't won in the playoffs when he's only made one appearance. It was a letdown when he lost. I'll absolutely agree with you on that, but I can't use any of that against him. The Rams haven't played overwhelmingly great towards the end of the season. Now is going to be a different turn, but he's a different type of coach. And it's a different type of situation. Sean McVay might be the youngest coach in the league. He has one of the oldest assistant coaches in the league working his defense in Wade Phillips. You tell me you want the next Sean McVay. And I think that there's only a few guys out there ready to do what Sean McVay does at around his age. The rest of you, when you say you want the next Sean McVay, you want the next disaster in the NFL. It's Ken Carman on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Okay, picture this.